for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Now, if it was a situation where I had somewhere to crash when I was out there, yeah, okay, fine. But go out there for a two, three hour show, and it's like, then I got to drive all the way back. It's like, yeah, mm, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I can see the opportunities there, but at the same time, like you said, it's the drive back. Well, I mean, really, it's it's both ways. I mean, it's it's a three hour drive round yeah. trip. So, and especially you got to drive through. Do you have to drive through Colleen? You have to drive past by yeah. Colleen, but do you have yeah. to drive through it? Yeah. Well, Colleen's actually off a little bit. So you, so you got to drive. So it, I mean, it's a straight shot on I-35. So yeah. you got to drive through uh, Temple, Belton. Uh, once you get to Belton, then it's Salado, which is a small little town. Yeah. Once you get to Salado, then it's just city after city leading up to Austin. I yeah. mean – Austin's grown so much, or I should say the suburbs have grown so much that, I mean, I remember 20 or 30 years ago where, you know, you had the little farming communities like Laga Vista and Hutto. Yeah. Hutto's a 5A school now, so then it, it's it's all Austin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like Chicago, like me growing up in Chicago where it's like, they ask you where you live, even though you live like an hour south of the actual city. It's like, I live in Chicago because that's where everybody, like if I tell you, oh, I was living in Linwood, Illinois. You have no idea where that's at. No idea. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea. It's easier. That's why I just say I, I live in Waco versus just trying to explain to people. Yeah. Well, you know, I live, da, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's one of those interesting things where it's like, unfortunately for Waco it's got its own like history that people know it for good or bad however you want to picture it but it's one of those names where when you say Waco you know you know of the city you may not know 100% where it's at but yeah yeah exactly kind of like when I was living out in Roswell New Mexico it's like oh Roswell like the aliens I'm like (laughs) that was the first thing that came to mind as soon as you said that was Roswell (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yep. That's exactly what, well, that, that was the thing. Like we're kind of already jumping into the podcast here. No intro, no nothing. Um, so that, that was kind of the thing when I was living out there yeah, doing the like like the early days of live and amplified doing our, like, so our like acoustic sessions and our live recording sessions, everybody's like, how are you getting the name of the, ba- the bands you get down here? I'm like, yeah. it's Roswell. It's not a hard sell. Like you have, if you have a band, that has two days to get from San Antonio to Albuquerque and yeah. Roswell's right in the middle. You say, Hey, you want to stay over in Roswell a night? We might be able to get you a gig, might not be able to, but we want to do this. Yeah. It's not a hard sell. So. <laughs> no. And plus it's, it's a pretty good tourist attraction, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, you go there once and you've kind of been there, you you've been yeah. there enough, but it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, I'm good. So <laughs> that's all it takes is just just that one. So is it is it kind of a one and done city? I mean, is it? 
Well, you can see everything when I when I lived there very much. Yes, okay. it was a one and done city. You go there once, you're good. You've been there. Okay. But now they're turning it around to where, like, as the this is really morbid to say, but as the old people kind of die and move yeah. on, yeah, and the younger people start to infiltrate like the important parts of the town, yeah, it they're doing things to kind of like, oh hey maybe we should name this new or like there was a new Dunkin Donuts that opened up there and their big, their, their normal Dunkin Donuts sign is being held by a 50 foot alien. <laughs> so they're doing stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, that's what you need. You need those tourist attractions. Yeah. And like their big UFO festival that they do in July, they're really putting some effort behind it in the coming like I think this year they're going to kind of take a pass because of COVID and everything, but I know for like next year and like the next big anniversary, I don't remember if it's the 80th or 85th. Yeah. What, whatever the next big anniversary is. Yeah. They're working on some really cool stuff. So well, I mean, if you think about with Waco, I mean, sure we've got Magnolia and all that, but, I think they're, they're they're trying, especially with building up downtown, they're trying to get people to stay here a little longer. I mean, we've got mm. the Dr. Pepper Museum. We've got uh, the uh, Melbourne Museum. Of course, we've got Baylor. I mean, yeah. so if you're looking for a sporting event. So I think they're trying to make it, like you say, more, more touristy, like with Roswell, you know, yeah. uh, kind of. You don't want to just stay here for just one day, you know. And, uh, yeah, and <laughs> I mean <laughs> – Magnolia being the big drawing point, it's like my mom came to visit or my parents came to visit me last May. Yeah. And the first thing out of my mom's mouth, where are the silos at? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay. I guess we're going to Magnolia. Like, I had no <laughs> idea. Like, at that point, I don't, or I hadn't even been here a year yet. I was like, I haven't even been to the silos i don't know where they're at but i'm sure we could figure it out like it's not hard you go downtown and you'll fit you'll find them it's not yeah, hard exactly uh i i've driven past it so many times that if somebody's like well, how do i get there i'm like it's either on fifth or i think it's on fifth or sixth street yeah or you know, it's whatever you, you head that head that way and you'll you'll see the silos and you'll find it you're good exactly you yeah. had that you had that way you're good you're good so, yeah you know and like i mean to be fair the entire downtown of waco is actually pretty cool like just yeah. getting to walk around like where like dichotomy is and you can kind of walk around that area that's really cool and oh, yeah. then a lot of the city parks and the suspension bridge and stuff yeah. like that so yeah that was actually my first photo shoot was at the suspension bridge it was a lot of fun in fact uh my friend mary uh, she's actually a student at Baylor and I asked her to do it and she's like, yeah, sure. Why not? It, it, it was, it was the perfect time of year. Mm -hmm. We got there at like eight o'clock in the morning and perfect weather, but the tourists, the tourists were everywhere. So we're, you know, I'm pulling up, you know, I mean, I'm lugging around two guitars. It's yeah. heavy. And I'm like, we, we had to wait for the person in front of us to take their touristy pictures before yeah. I could get my photo shoot. So it actually took longer yeah. because of all the tours. <laughs> that's, and that, that's the kind of the thing that I was trying to explain to my parents. I was like, this is May in the middle of a pandemic. 
I haven't been here at May during regular Waco time. Yeah. And I can only imagine how busy this place really would be right now. Oh, like, yeah. Magnolia Table just alone, I think it's either a two or three hour wait pre COVID. Yeah. It was easily a two hour wait just for breakfast. Yeah. I, I've heard so many mixed, re- like, not to bash on it, but I've heard mixed reviews about it, but, you know, it is what it is. And, like, a lot of the people I work with are from here and they've been here for, all 40 some odd years that they've lived here or however the old they are. Yeah. And they, they're like, I've seen this town grow from a little dusty central Texas town yeah. to just kind of this place that people want to be. And I've seen friends leave and come back mm-hmm. because they see an opportunity here. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. So I, I totally get it. So yeah. you're a rich, you're born raised Waco. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, born and raised. Actually, I'm technically I, I'm from Crawford, okay. uh, just 20 miles uh, northwest of Waco, uh, which actually is the name of my most recent album back in Crawford, mm-hmm. kind of uh, reminiscing uh, on some of my first songs that I wrote. Is It was really cool because I wrote these songs back in high school. Yeah. And I said, I, I need to do something with them. I can't just sit on them, you yeah. know? And and I did. I just sat on them. And finally, after doing my first three albums, so I'm at four albums in four years, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, see how many albums I can do every year. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm actually from, from Crawford. Awesome, awesome. And you so you kind of already jumped on it uh working on four albums or put out four albums in the last four years yeah and you're already working on your album for this year is that what the technically i'm actually working on my christmas ep Mm -hmm. um i'm actually and one of my friends referred to me as a recording machine he's like i don't i don't know how you do it Uh, i don't know either uh i guess a lot of free time but um although I don't have a, that much free time, but I guess I have enough to record an album per year. Yeah. But I'm actually working on two albums right okay. now. I'm actually working on a rock album, uh, which is going to be called Crossroads. Uh, that one is sort of a 2020 revision slash 2021. So I've got a lot of songs in there that uh, I guess you say kind of reminisce yeah. what we went through. I'm actually working on a song called Texas Snow, which is a parody off of Steve Ray Bond's Texas Flood. Uh, that that one was a really easy, inspired song. I did Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds from the yeah. Beatles, just because I love the Beatles. Yeah. But yes, I'm actually hopefully going to have a four-song Christmas EP. I've got two songs down. Just got to record two more songs yeah. for the Christmas EP. Are they originals or covers? Covers. Covers, okay. I, I wasn't quite sure with the uh, Texas snow. I didn't know if you were going to try, uh, if that was going to qualify as a Christmas one or. Oh, no, no. Uh, well, you know, I may. <clears throat> Who knows? I may Maybe. actually put a spin on it. Well, because some of these songs are crossover songs. One of them I did back around December. It was uh, it was a Celtic song. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of an Irish Christmas song called Bottom of the Punch Bowl. And it was really cool because it fits both Christmas. And then I just put a little video out for St. Patrick's Day because mm-hmm. it's just a nice little um, 
Irish reel. It was yeah. fun, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Texas snow is that based off of recent events? Is was that also inspired yeah. from recent events? Oh yeah, oh yeah. In fact, while we were down and out with our you know week long snowvid as people call it our yeah. our subterranean our subarctic weather yeah i actually had an idea and i put out feelers first i said y'all give me some ideas family friends fans y'all give me some ideas for this and i kept going back to stevie ray's texas flood so mm-hmm. i i just recorded all all of the rhythm tracks i just gotta do uh vocals lead guitar and then my friend jr he does the bass for all of my work so but yeah it's it's kind of a spin on it now that is an original yeah it is an original i'm just kind of taking steven what he, what steven ray did with texas flood yeah. and just spinning it to our snowvid yeah that's you know that was the wildest week because it's like i'm used to snow i grew up in chicago so I know what snow is. I know what it can do to the roads. Like, and the, like, you know, I know how to drive in it, all that fun stuff until you come down here to Texas where they have no idea, nor do they even know how to treat roads for snow and ice. Right. And that it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to stay inside. Like <laughs> I'm good. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to try and go anywhere. Cause I live over in, um, ju- I live, you know where um, Lakeside Tavern is, where the airport, yeah. over by the airport? Yeah. I live in uh, Pecan Ridge Apartments. Okay. So okay. there's like a huge up, like to get into the complex, there's a huge yeah. uphill. And yeah. then to get where I'm at, you got to go back down the hill. Yeah. And I saw so many people spin their trucks out, like these big yeah. rig trucks. They couldn't even get it up the hill because, A, they didn't know how to drive. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say that too loud. Uh, <laughs> people might get offended. But, oh, uh, yeah so like i went out there towards the end of everything like as the snow had like finally stopped and they're like okay well it's gonna start warming up and this this ice should start melting and it'll be clear in like a day or two and i was like okay so i'm gonna go step outside and see how everything looks and i went and looked out the driveway and there's just trucks lining the driveway because they tried to get up and they couldn't it was hilarious yeah it looked like a parking lot because <laughs> so. people think oh you know this isn't that much different than what we dealt with before and i've i mean there were a couple times that i had to drive to, to heb just to pick yeah. up some groceries and i saw people in ditches and i'm yeah. thinking all right all right people this is not rain i mean yeah. people already drive weird in rain yeah snow and ice no 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 no, no. you know it was because for me it was one of those things where I was like, I knew what was coming because I work for ABC. I work for the ABC affiliate here in town. So the weather guy, 10 days, I was like, Hey, this is going to, this storm is coming early on. It was like, we don't know what it's all going to be. But as it got closer, it was like, go get food, go get water, go get all this stuff. Yeah. And so I did. And luckily I never lost power. Yeah but I did lose water. I wasn't prepared for the water to, for us to lose water for a week. That was kind of like, Oh crap. What do I do? (laughs) Um, but because like in Chicago, if the power goes out or if it's a really bad snowstorm, the pipes are buried deep enough. As long as your heater is on in the house, your pipes aren't going to freeze. Right. 
but here in Texas, got different codes. So we are not built for this. In yeah. that, that's never happened. Um, back in 1983, <laughs> we did have some cold weather like that where yeah. it was below zero. So we have seen cold weather like that, but cold weather plus precipitation, never. Yeah. yeah. Never, ever. Yeah. So you you got Texas snow. I'm I'm assuming that that'll come out like next winter sometime. Yeah. Um, as far as my Crossroads album, my yeah. my rock album, and I don't know if I'm an overachiever or not. Maybe I am. Maybe I yeah. just have too much free time. But recording two albums at the same time, and I'm kind of staggering them. You know, yeah. whatever I'm feeling inspired to doing. Uh, right now, I've just been inspired to work on more crossroads because I figured, okay, so if I record for my Christmas EP this yeah. year, if I record, you know, Silent Night and I don't know, uh, We Three Kings, yeah. I'm good, you know, to do a four song EP this year. And then I'll do a crossroads release next year, which I'm actually four or five. I'm actually about halfway done with my crossroads album for next year. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's the uh kind of recording process been like are you doing a lot of that yourself at home or where are you going to do the recording and stuff i do everything in-house uh i i am a true diy musician nice. uh from start to finish uh the only thing i don't do is the mastering process which is kind of weird because i spent a lot of time when i was in college doing mastering but because technology has changed so much in the mm -hmm. last 20 years, I actually uh, outsource my mastering. But everything else uh, from writing all the way to, uh, well, okay, you know, except for having, you know, CDs made, you know, things yeah. like that. But artwork, recording, because uh, that, that was actually my major back in college at, at MCC was recording. So I do all of my own recording in-house i use uh, logic pro x nice Great. love it what do you what are you uh what kind of interface are you using i guess that was the question i was trying to get out oh yeah 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 so i use the focus right the 2i2 uh and i was when i was deciding on an interface i was trying to figure out okay well what's the kind of the industry standard yeah and as far as something simple because i don't need an eight channel interface mm -hmm. i don't need something crazy i don't you know, I don't need, you know, Mo2 or yeah. some some crazy like $5,000 interface. So yeah. uh, for me, Focusrite, the Scarlett 2i2 works great. It's got a great A to D and D to A to converter. The quality is really good. Latency is really mm -hmm. low, so I don't have any problems with that. Even, even with some of the craziest songs I've ever done where I've got 15, 20, 30 different tracks, I never have any problems. So... Thanks. That's, I love it. Yeah, it's great. It, it's it's interesting that you said you didn't need like the big 20, 20 uh, input tracks or interfaces and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah. man, we're, we're trying to get those because we do a lot of uh, like full band recordings, and oh, all we yeah. have all we have is a uh, eight track, and then plus my the interface that I use for this, which is a yeah. Zoom H6. Yeah. So we've got a Zoom R24 and a Zoom H6, and that gives us just enough channels. Yeah. But it's like, yo, we need to get something that has like 18, 20 channels so we don't have to worry about this because 
like four of our channels don't even take phantom so it's like we're really limiting ourselves on some stuff so it's always interesting i mean i've i actually have a friend that um he actually uses 12 different mic inputs just for his drums 12 okay I mean, he'll he'll double the kick he'll he'll double the snare uh he I think he does uh, two or three room mics so he actually records 12 so he's got two or three eight channel interfaces and he daisy chains them mm-hmm. so that that's what connected yeah that's what you can do with the r24 is you can get three of up to three of them and daisy chain them together and uh, th- yeah. that's why it's called the r24 because yeah. three a channel mixers um Good. yeah but then they're like next generation was like the l20 and it's all in one interface like you don't have to daisy chain anything together yeah. so it's like yeah that's probably where we want to be but throwing yeah. out a thousand dollars to get it is that's that's a bit of an investment right now you know and plus you know there's talk about okay am i going to use usb2 usb3 am i going to use um Oh, crud. What is the name of the newest? Uh, uh, USB-C? Yeah, something like that. And I've never really had a problem with that. I'm using, when, when, in fact, when people listen to my songs and then they look at what I use to record it, I'm using a 12-year-old iMac with a two-channel interface, uh, but I... I, I make it work. And of course I'm just recording me, you yeah, know, absolutely. So what's kind of your uh, recording process. Like when you sit down to record, since you're doing everything except mastering yourself, do yeah. you use, are you usually recording guitar first or where do you kind of start with the, the recording process? You know, and with my last two albums with uh, in the beginning and journey continues, mm-hmm. those were instrumental. So they didn't require drums. So I would just start with some kind of a rhythm guitar track and just kind of build on that. Plus they were instrumental, so mm-hmm. I wasn't having to think about vocals. But when I did uh, back in Crawford, I needed drums. So I'm like, oh crap, what, what am I going to do? Yeah. Well, my, uh, my DAW updated and it now includes a plugin called Drummer. Yeah. So now I've got this kind of a MIDI-like drummer In fact, here's a quick little side note. I recorded a friend of mine and he shared it with a friend of his Mm -hmm. and he argued with him and said, that's a real drummer. He said, no, no, uh, we use a product called drummer. And he argued with my friend. No, 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 that's a real drummer. So MIDI, uh, especially in in, in this case, drums has really come a long way. So the first thing I do is, I will actually lay out uh, my drums. I'll mm-hmm. lay out everything I need to do as far as that goes, the, you know, as far as building the yeah. instrumentation goes. And then I'll lay down rhythm guitars, uh, any other kind of background instruments, um, piano, organ, tambourine, whatnot. And I always say vocals to last. In fact, I'm actually working on Alleluia. My mm-hmm. aunt Sandy wanted me to record Alleluia. Loves the song. It's a popular song. Yeah. And I kind of jumped the gun on that one. I was going to record the vocals early on mm-hmm. without rehearsing. And I yeah. spent four hours recording vocals without rehearsing. They were garbage. So now I'm like, maybe I need to rehearse. 
So yeah, probably. lesson lesson learned. But yeah. that's that's my order is drums, rhythm, guitars, um, and then um, the you know, there's a lead part. Yeah, yeah. lead uh, vocals and things okay. like that. So, yeah. It's funny that you brought up the MIDI thing for your drums. Because back when, back in 2016, 17, something like that, we were working with this band or this heavy metal band. They call themselves thrash metal, but I can't really, they're a metal band essentially. Um, And they went up to Albuquerque to go record their first studio album, except the studio engineer told the drummer, yeah, we're just going to use a MIDI controller. You're not even going to play on the album. Because, and like, I mean, he was a little bit more upfront about it. He was like, because we could, or I think he said something to the effect of, we could do it just as good as you can. Or it's like, oof, somebody's got an ego, buddy. But, anyways, so (laughs) he he thought that that was like something that not a lot of people knew. And after they released their um, uh, album, because I happened to know, and then when I listened to it, I was like, oh, yeah, you could tell that's not him playing because you know, when you get to know somebody playing like back, like six years ago, the midis weren't nearly as good. Like, I mean, even now, like, I'm sure you can tell if it's a certain somebody playing, you know, because it's like the way he plays, he kind of plays a little side stick, you know, just like there's a certain way he hits that it has a certain sound. And I, we brought him in for a podcast and I called him out on it. Like, hey, dude! Like, who's playing the drums? Because this doesn't sound like you playing. Like the 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 hits are way too clean and yeah. just way too precise. This yeah. doesn't sound like you playing. And he's like, I was hoping no one would notice, but here's what happened. And he ended up telling me the whole story. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't like mean to put your business out there, but like I call it like I see it. So yeah. Um. Midi's come a long way, and in fact, so have plugins. I mean, nowadays you can you can plug DI directly into your uh, interface, Mm -hmm. and then then you can you know go that route with all the different you know ant mods. In fact, that's actually what I use. I actually use. um, Look back here, the uh, Strymon, (laughs) (laughs) the Strymon Iridium pedal. And I have three classic amps, so I've and actually three amps and then three amp, uh, three speaker cabs. Yeah. Uh, and I usually use either a Marshall, like a Plexi, or um, or a Vox, like AC30. Mm-hmm. So technically, I'm I'm using an amp modeling with mine. I mm-hmm. I I never mic up. In fact, uh, I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine, and they do the same thing. They plug everything direct and then they amp model and the same thing with midi yeah. uh, if if they're not using midi directly they're going to use midi in addition to a drummer and yeah. kind of plug in in fact like with my drummer plug-in it sounds i mean you know it'll have those little accidental where like like a little rim shot where it actually hits the rim yeah. and it just it sounds it sounds authentic so I'm telling you, digital technology from MIDI and Ant Mods, they've come a long way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, as with time, techno- technology will usually catch up. So, Oh, yeah. 
So for you as a musician, what's kind of your backstory? What got you into music? Um, I actually started playing piano when I was five mm -hmm. and I was too young to really know any better. I mean, you know, my mom says, oh yeah, you wanted to learn piano. Okay, great. Um, but my grandfather gave me a Beach Boy CD, so I'm mm -hmm. huge into Beach Boys and anything classic rock. Yeah. But the big step for me was when I started learning guitar when I was 11 or 12. And I think for me, it was just like with every kid, you, you, you get a guitar in your hand and you want to be a rock star, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, it is what it is. Um, so that was kind of my first awakening was learning guitar, took lessons, learned as many, learned as many songs as I could. And then I was in college at MCC mm -hmm. uh, with uh, business management. I'm I'm not a numbers cruncher, yeah. and I stumbled, literally stumbled across the music program, and I took their uh, intro to recording. Yeah, that was it for me. I immediately switched my majors over to uh, music, specifically audio technology, and I learned a lot. In fact, that's that's really what helped me get into teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, because I've been teaching for about 20 years also. So a lot of the music theory and arrangement, yeah. you know, things like that, you know, got me into it. So all of these things just kind of transpired, you know, they just kind of one on top of another. And then uh, in high school, that's when I started writing songs. I figured, well, you know, I've learned, you know, all these songs. Let me take a step into writing. Yeah. So that's oh, kind yeah. of where it started. Yeah. Natural progression. Um, yeah. So uh what's when you sit down to like write like obviously you're more in the recording phase of things but you're kind of it seems like you'd always be writing if you're releasing album uh an album every year for the last four years it seems like you'd always kind of be writing but what's kind of your process when you go through that and uh sit down to write or whatever you know and i'm always looking for inspiration and i think between tw 2020 in 2021 mm -hmm. i don't i mean it's a stone throw away i really don't have to look for too much inspiration to write a song i mean just in the last couple of years i have had more songwriting inspiration yeah. than i think i've ever had so i think for me i'm always looking for that inspiration and i hate those dry spells because yeah. when i was recording my my instrumental albums I could go three months, six months, and a song just, it's not there. Yeah. Uh, 2020, 2021 hit, and all of a sudden it's like, it's like a geyser just hit. But once I get an idea, of course, it, de it depends if it's an instrumental versus uh, one that has lyrics. Um, for me, I'll just sit down and I'll just strum, strum on the guitar. Yeah. And I'll just kind of play around. And for me, I think that's the best way for me to come up with the song idea is just kind of strum some chords out. Uh, if at the same time, I may be writing some kind of lyric ideas. Yeah. But for me, I guess it's just, I'm just kind of waiting for that moment. Yeah. You know? Just waiting for that moment to hit. But once it hits, and I think that's a problem with me is that once a song idea hits, I can't let it go. Like I, I, I can't relax. I can't like, you know, it's sleeping pills to get me to bed kind of thing because yeah. 
it, it, it won't let go, which in a way it's good because then I keep those ideas fresh. Yeah, absolutely. When a song idea hits, is it usually more in the form of a lyric or is it more of a form of like a guitar lick or could it be either or? It could be either or. I would say at least lately, if it's a lyric based song, I'm usually writing down lyrics. Like I'll be sitting there watching Netflix. All of a sudden, a verse pops in my head. I'm like, mm, got to write it down. And I always stop myself because I've I've messed myself up before where I'll be like, I'll remember that later. No, you I'm won't. 42. <laughs> I'm not going to remember it later, you yeah. know? <laughs> so I will just write out, some, just, you know, just kind of scratch it out just to write it down. So usually if it's a lyric-based song, I'll get some ideas and then I'll grab the guitar and just kind of play some chords. Uh, a lot of mine is post-grunge, alt-rock. So just think of Seven Mary Three, Hootie and the Blowfish. Like mm -hmm. that's my generation, yeah. Alice in Chains. So that's kind of the strumming patterns that I kind of play around with. Gotcha, gotcha. That's, it, it's always interesting to kind of see how the creative process affects people because, you know, it's like some people they're a hundred percent lyric based, like the lyrics are what get, inspire them. But then somebody will hear like something tapping on the side of the house and it's like, Oh, that's a good tempo. Yeah. So, you know, something like that. So it's always interesting. And you never know. See, that's, that's the thing with me is whenever that I get inspired to work on a new song, I never know. I don't have this set path of, okay, well, let me go grab a piece of paper and let me go write something down or let me go grab my guitar. For me, it's in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It's in the moment. So whatever, if I'm going to rush and go grab the guitar or rush and go grab and, uh, some paper, and write some lyrics, I'm I'm in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting though, because you, you talk to, especially uh, musicians that have kids and they have like a set schedule that they have to be around. They don't have that ability to be that free flowing because it's like, Oh, I got kid stuff from 8 AM to whenever. Yeah. So I have from 9 PM to 11 PM tonight to be creative. So hopefully something hits me and I either wrote it down or I remember it at 9 PM tonight yeah. and I can get myself back into that same mindset. So yeah. I yeah. think all of my ideas come late at night. Yeah. Uh, thanks to um, thanks thanks to beer. I'm just going to go and say it. Thanks yeah. to beer. Um, all of my ideas. In fact, it's kind of a curse because when I say late at night, it could be when I'm just like I said watching Netflix or Amazon Prime. Unfortunately, uh, there was one song that I did, "Candle on the Water," on the Back at Crawford album. And I call it my 2 a.m. song because I literally came up with it. I was in bed sleeping. All of a sudden, I literally woke up. This idea just kept running through my head. And it's an instrumental. It's, it's cool. And I just had this chord progression in my mind. Yeah. And I thought, I know if I do not get up right now, I realize I'm going to pay for it in the morning. Yep. <laughs> but I was up from about 2 o'clock to about 3.30 writing down my chord progression but it turned out to be a really cool song uh but yeah usually my ideas are late at night yeah that, i mean actually when yeah. you when you brought up the beer thing i've been seeing you drink your bud light there and i was like i'm kind of surprised it's not a lone star or or is that like a cliche texas thing 
I don't know. I mean, because there's several different Texas brands, and yeah. um, you know, me being Irish, I'm, I've been drinking uh, Guinness since uh, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. So you know, but yeah. you I, know, had, I had somebody tell me not too long ago that it was uh, what beer was it? Lining Kugel was like a very Texas beer or something. I'm like, okay, like I, I don't drink it, so I don't know. <laughs> like, cool. You know, and beer with me is like songs. I just kind of grab whatever, you know. I'm always, it could be Dos Equis, it could be, uh, you know, uh, a micro brew, but yeah. I just kind of, but for me, I, and I'd say for me, it's between uh, spirituality and beer. And yeah. they, they, they kind of work together. In fact, my friend actually wrote a book called Drinking with the Saints, Michael oh. Foley. Uh, so I kind of find inspiration with that as well. And it is, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating where people find inspiration with, yeah. with music. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, just drive, you know, just, yeah, anywhere. It could literally be anywhere at any moment. Like I could say something stupid in the middle of this podcast and it might inspire you to write a song. Yeah. So. In fact, my niece, Brooklyn, she's turning seven next month, and she's kind of following in my footsteps because uh, she she loves playing with my gear. It's nothing for her to grab my Gibson Les Paul off the stand and just rip into a song. In fact, when I picked her up a couple weeks ago, uh, from her house to my house, she came up with two song ideas. And I, would, I was blown away. Nice. So, yeah. It, it just shows you that I don't care what age you are. I don't care what the situation is. Anybody can be inspired. You just never yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. All you got to do is get her into some guitar lessons and that starts next month. That starts next month. <laughs> <laughs> that hey, it works. Um, so during, obviously in the middle of the pandemic, live shows haven't been that frequent, but uh, how often do you usually get out and play shows? You know, and I've always been, well, okay, since college, I've, I've always been a recording artist instead of a performing artist. And the reason is because I would say it takes a lot of effort to get out and you got to book a show, play a show, you know, travel, play a show, then, you know, that kind of thing. And for me, I decided a long time ago that I wanted to be a recording artist, like just crank out as many songs as possible, just reach as many people as possible because, and I think because there really is no set path. Mm. You know, it, if you think about it, when a person goes down the performing path, for instance, mm -hmm. There's no guarantee that just because that you play a bunch of shows that you're going to get fans or sign up for your email list or buy merch. Same thing when I crank out a bunch of songs. So I think um, I was listening to a podcast and he was talking about that. You know, just focus on one thing. Because mm -hmm. when I first started getting back into music about five years ago, I was doing all this stuff. I was recording. I was playing. I was doing YouTube videos. I was doing all these different things. Yeah. And it wore me out. I'm like, surely there has to be a simplified version of this. He said, do one thing really well. I said, well, for me, it's writing and recording. That's what I do in my opinion. That's what I think yeah. I do really well. And 
plus with work and with lessons, I mean, I've got over 20 students now. If I was on the road a lot, I'd have to cancel lessons. It would take me away from work. Plus, it would take me away from recording. So I think I just decided that I think I'm just going to focus on writing, yeah. recording, and releasing. Wash, rinse, repeat. So. Yeah. Or at least now until you get to a point where the music can support itself and yeah. you don't necessarily have to worry about work or what, you know, yeah. like whatever whatever else you got to worry about, you know? Yeah. So. It's a tough decision, you know, and, and I've, I've got friends that pre COVID, you know, they were all about touring and all that stuff. I don't know. For me, it just, it was never a draw for me. It was always, you know, the, the recording side was the draw for yeah. me. So yeah, but it's fun. Completely understood. Um, so with, with obviously you haven't felt that wrath, of the pandemic it's i'm assuming yeah. it's kind of been business as normal for you yeah for the most part yeah and okay. thankfully since i'm not a performing artist and i do really feel for a lot of my friends that are performing artists yeah. i've got friends that are in bands and they had to cancel tours yep. for me it was it was business as usual i mean i i released back in crawford during 2020 yeah. during the pandemic so it was business as usual so Hey, I mean, hey, good for you, right? Pretty much. It it worked out, yeah. yeah. Um, so what what would technically be is the Christmas album your next release or upcoming yeah. release? Yeah, so I'm gonna probably release that um sometime between Halloween and Thanksgiving, somewhere yeah. around there, because I noticed that uh Christmas songs really pick up after after uh, thanksgiving so really really after after halloween so somewhere around yeah. there i, so, I mean that, that's a huge huge argument being had like christmas starts right after halloween anymore like just yeah. the way marketing yeah. goes it's like it's right after halloween so exactly so it'll probably be somewhere around there we'll i'll i'll, I'll do a, a a four song ep and drop that because um yeah i want to say it's between halloween and new year's that if you can really capitalize on that some people listen to christmas music year-round well christmas yeah. in july usually will will pique people's interest like if they're yeah. out and about christmas in july for some reason seems to be a big thing or at least it was when i was living out in like chicago and stuff like that yeah so so we'll that's, that's, what I'm, that, that's what I'm planning is to do that is just to, cause I didn't want to wait to have a full Christmas album because whenever that you do a seasonal album, I figured that if I didn't do it this year, then I'll have to wait till next year. And I said, no, let me go ahead and get a four song EP out that way. I can mm -hmm. kind of generate a little buzz. And, yeah. and you can kind of see what your market, is. not necessarily what the market is, but what your market is for Christmas music. Like if people don't want to hear it, okay, you got an EP out. Cool. Yeah. But you know, you didn't waste your time putting a full LP together or something. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I do have, um, there's a, there's a, a podcast, whatever that they also have a uh, Spotify playlist. And mm -hmm. um, I kind of shared some stuff with them, you know, with some of my earlier, what I did with uh, jingle bells, for instance, when yeah. I released that back, uh, cause I, I wanted to release at least one song last Christmas and that was my instrumental of Jingle Bells, kind of a, kind of a rockish version, yeah. instrumental version. Um, and they were interested. So I'm looking forward to getting 
that out so we can kind of get maybe, you know, maybe a Christmas playlist going. Yeah. So, who knows? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's already there's already a bunch of them, but yeah, you know, so it, I don't know if there's an independent Christmas music one because that's one thing that I've noticed last year during the Christmas season. It seemed like everybody had a Christmas song. Oh yeah, at least a single. Oh yeah, just because you can only one can assume that it's because everybody's got a lot more free time on their hands. It's like, oh, let's do something we don't usually do. You but. know, and I was um, see because CD Baby is my uh, digital distributor, and they uh, I was listening to their podcast recently, and and they said from 2019 to 2020 there was something like a 20 I want to say 24 27 percent increase in revenue from 2019 to 2020 it was like 27 per, for for indie musicians okay it was a 20 something percent increase in revenue in 2020 so that just shows you how many more artists were recording and releasing music yeah so. oh yeah and which is kind of funny because you go back to the beginning of the pandemic there were so many musicians that just kind of hung it up right from the uh, right from the jump it was just kind of like i don't know how long this is going to be i can't afford to sit here wait and find out so i'm gonna go get a job and yeah you know, like yeah. or their band lives so far apart if they can't get together to practice mm -hmm. i'm gonna go find a job you know so yeah. they essentially just hung it up so it'll be kind of interesting to see because you know so many bands beginning of the pandemic mm -hmm. didn't have anything recorded hadn't been writing anything you know yeah. they were just kind of living off the touring and now they got their hand caught in the cookie jar and it's like mm, what are we gonna do you know so it's, it's a double-edged sword because what it did it did two things one like you mentioned people just kind of hung it up but at the same time those that did maybe have some songs kind of in their back pocket, they recorded and released them either themselves or, you know, recorded them at home like I do or what or whatnot and then released them, which then caused a great influx in people releasing music in 2020, mm -hmm. which, yeah, that's great. But what it did for me, it just made even more clutter. And yeah. we've already been dealing with, um, you know, trying to cut through the noise yeah. you know and that's kind of my thing is how how do i cut through the noise 2020 just made it that much worse for me so for me i wasn't a i wasn't performing and going on tours but it made things even more difficult in trying to find ways to promote back in crawford yeah yeah absolutely so outside of music i know you're a pretty avid gamer right I am. I am. Uh, in fact, I was doing a little gaming earlier on today. Well, and usually that's my weekend. Uh, yeah. I kind of take a break. I just that's that's my downtime. So yeah, I I'm a I'm a gamer on PS4. My brother and I we we play a little Call of Duty, you know, yeah. here and there. But uh, that's kind of my getaway. It's just gaming, and then yeah. of course, um, you know, you know, love spending time with family, especially my my niece, you know, who's kind of kind of my little mini me. But yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely gaming is my, is my getaway. Yeah. So Call of Duty, that's kind of your game or what are you, what are you usually playing? 
Call of Duty, you know, I've been playing that since, what, 2007, and really just any, you know, first-person first shooter games, or yeah. really anything, um, got PlayStation Now, so I just kind of grab whatever game that yeah. I'm kind of feeling at that moment, but really any gaming, um, just, like I said, it's just kind of my, yeah. kind of my gameplay, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, I was really big into, I started playing Call of Duty in 2009, mm-hmm. back with Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. And then I was like really into it. And then I moved out to New Mexico and the internet out there wasn't strong enough to like really sustain live streaming to the way I was doing it. So I was like, okay, well, and I kind of stopped playing altogether. And since probably about 2016, I haven't had a system. So we're going like five years or so. And I was going to get a PS4 during the pandemic. Like I was looking at all the pawn shops. I was looking everywhere and they're like, no, we're sold out. And it's like, that sucks. Oh, well. (laughs) And so now it's just kind of like, okay, well, PS4s are still really high in price because obviously you can't get any of them over here. So do I wait? So do I buy a PS4 when I can find one or do I wait and get a ps5 like because at some point those prices are going to come down and you know that that's always kind of my issue the reason i don't jump back in because it's like oh i can finally afford a ps4 oh wait but the ps5 is coming out next year so do i really want to invest all this money like that's the weird catch 22 with the gaming for me at least never know you never know i mean i've I'm not near of a serious gamer as I used to be. I remember back in around 2010, 2012. I mean, I was in Call of Duty clans. I mean, I was in like like the pro level kind of clans. And, yeah. you know, I was, you know, I would work, then I would get home. Of course, I wasn't as serious in music back then. I was kind of, and and, and my music career is kind of, it, it's gone through phases, you know. And mm-hmm. I would say probably in the last five years or so, I've been able to kind of push away all of the distractions because it seemed like the early 2010s, I was just so distracted with gaming because once I got into modern warfare in 2007, it just kind of built on itself. I was in clan after clan and playing with these pro level styles and it was fun, but it felt like um, there was a, was it Percy Jackson and they were uh, at the Lotus hotel and they were being fed this where, where they're basically uh, completely set off from the world, you know? And that's kind of how it was with me. I was, I was kind of separating myself from reality. Yeah. But then I thought I kind of woke up around 2016 and said, or 2015 and said, okay, I want to get back into music again, you know, really, full you know and ever since then i've i've cut out a lot of distractions and drama isn't it funny that when i cut out distractions and drama four albums in four years and i'm just song after song that's what it takes you got to cut that stuff out yeah absolutely absolutely but so kind of moving forward with the music you got the christmas ep coming out 
end of the or October, November, kind of you'll figure it out as you go. Yeah. And then you've got the next album already in the works for next year. What's kind of been that song selection process like? Like obviously the Christmas song is, or the Christmas EP is pretty like just I I like these uh these covers or these Christmas songs, but yeah, for the album for next year, what's that song selection process kind of been like? Well, a lot of it's been filled by 2020 and 2021, you know, just coming up with, with different songs and um, just kind of creating a theme because whenever that somebody's going to do an album, I mean, it's one thing to record a song, but I was uh, talking to somebody about this fairly recently and they said, you know, if you're going to do an album, the album has to have a theme. Um, and I think a good example of that is Pink Floyd. I mean, if you look mm. at Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall, you can listen to all of the songs and they're cohesive. They all fit. It has a theme behind it. And of course, I'm always looking for a way to tell my story, uh, my personal story, my music story, that kind mm. of thing. So for me, I just kind of find songs that fit this particular theme. If it doesn't, then I shelve it for something else. I mean, I've got maybe 12 songs that I've got shelved that have no business being on Crossroads and obviously no business being mm. on a Christmas EP. Yeah. So I find songs when I come up with song ideas does not necessarily mean that they're going to fit a particular album. But when a song does, then I build on that. Yeah. And I think for me, I think I just kind of, once I get into a, a, a mode of, okay, well, I'm in this theme. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it's been the last couple albums. Once I get into a theme, then I'm like, okay, what can I write about next that kind of builds on, okay, well, here's this song. What can I write to build on this song and so forth? Gotcha. Gotcha. Absolutely. Makes, it makes absolute sense. You know, it's, yeah. Um, so being from central texas what's been or what, what was the music how's the music scene kind of changed from when you first started playing in the scene to kind of now because i hear all these grand stories about how it was how it was back in the day and by back in the day i mean like the mid 2000s like we're not talking a long long generational gap here but yeah. how, how's the music changed from when you first started playing to now well, and I was talking to the director of the music program last year, or was it the year before last? And because I was actually considering uh, teaching music at MCC, mm -hmm. which is my, all, my alma mater. Yeah. And she was telling me that when I was going there, a lot of musicians who were, you know, getting a degree, a lot of them were performance majors. But she was telling me now that a lot of them are audio technology. They're recording majors. They could be recording whatever, hip hop, whatever. So there has been a shift. And I don't want to just say here in Waco, but because I'm from Waco, I'm going to use that as an example yeah. that there's been a shift that's been happening that more people because of home recording more people are going that route, you know, yeah. creating beats and maybe hip hop. I mean, I've, I've worked with hip hop artists and uh, hip hop producers, but I would say that back 
in the 2000s, like you mentioned, because that's when I graduated from college, there was a pretty vibrant music scene. I mean, it was, it was pretty hopping. Um, because downtown has really been built back up, I think it's getting better. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know with the younger generation, with the, you know, with the millennials, with the Gen Zers, I don't know if they are really into it. Like our generation, Gen X, I don't know if they really are into that. My concern kind of is because of what type of music is out and deemed popular. Um, it feels like it's more suited to big stadium shows or bigger venue shows. So my concern is where are we going to be in 10, 15 years for like the local solo acoustic coffee shop shows when everybody's making these or performing on beats and like performing, having stuff that is initially or is really intended on being projected on a loudspeaker in front of tens of thousands of people, i.e. pop music, you know, with very little live instrumentation or, you know, or a big band sort of feel with like pianos and all this stuff that you can't fit on that, you know, small coffee shop stage that could maybe fit two guitarists if you're lucky. I have seen more singer songwriters pop up um maybe in the last five or ten years so i think that the singer songwriter market is growing mm-hmm. bands at that mm-hmm. that that one's hard to tell because i've seen a lot of bands form have i seen mm-hmm. a lot of bands perform live not as much i mean uh i've got one friend of mine uh, he Started a band with a group of guys, then one singer left, another, another came in, another one left. And so there's a revolving yeah. door of singers, and then they changed the name to this other band, you yeah. know, and that kind of thing. So I would say that singer-songwriter, in fact, if you noticed it with a lot of music uh, on shows, yeah, uh, Netflix and Amazon, I've seen a lot of, uh, lot of singer-songwriter songs pop up. Yeah. On that. So I think that there's something to the singer songwriter market. Really? Interesting. And now that you brought up the band part, I do realize that now, cause I've seen a lot of people putting out, Hey, you want to start a band and they'll start like teasing their releasing music yeah. and then nothing really ever comes of it because one yeah. guy leaves and it's all about managing schedules at that point. Like yeah. somebody to, like, somebody's job hours change and so they can't practice when everybody else can practice or oh i don't want to play this type of you you know so there's like a lot of politics that almost go into being involved with the band and unless you guys are all on the same page yeah it's not really gonna work so you know and i think with people's schedules being even busier than it was say 10 or 20 years ago yeah I think you're exactly right. I think that people want to be in a band, not to say that there's not a desire. I'm not saying that. I think that there is a greater desire, but I think because of people's schedules, people have families, people have all these deadlines and things like that, that I think that, that they get into starting a band with, you know, some friends, but all of a sudden they realize that I don't have any time, Yeah, you know, they kind of jump in feet first and are like, 
Yeah. And I, I think that's why moving kind of forward, we're going to see more of the model of to kind of throw it back to the beach boys or to hint on the beach boys a little bit. You'll see more of like a Jesse and the rippers model where it's like, you're going there to see Jesse. You don't care who's in the rippers. Like, right. You know, you're not there to see them. You're there to see the singer. And so if, the bass player changes every other show as long as they're playing the same notes it don't really matter right whereas like metallica you're there to see robert trujillo you're there to see, see james hetfield you know etc lars all them guys you're, yeah. you're there to see all of them and if one of them's not there it's just kind of like oh this isn't metallica this is metallic <laughs> so that's a good one i like it is metallic yeah um yeah so I, I definitely that or we'll start going more into like the big band sound where, you know, like back in the, was it like the forties when the big bands were like the thing and yeah the singer, like every how every venue had their own band and then like the singers just change, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where the music goes because history is one giant cycle. It is, and, you know, and I've been kind of, I mean, talking with friends, uh, about just that subject where is music heading and it's going to be interesting mm -hmm. i do see more people recording and i don't see people performing as much because honestly that's one reason why i like performing or i like recording because performing does take so it, it takes a lot of effort and it's not that i'm lazy it's just that's just the direction that i decided to go but yep. any anybody can grab their computer and they can grab some free program and spend a hundred bucks on an interface and they can record some, I don't want to call it garbage, but they can record some really, you know, lo-fi yeah. and it's on Pandora. Yeah. It surprises me what kind of, whenever that I hear one of my songs on Pandora, I'm like, yeah. And the next song I'm like, it sounded like it recorded it in some, you know, tunnel yeah I'm like well th that's the that's the tr uh weird thing so i don't know if i brought it up to you or if it was just in the last podcast i did but we have a we launched a rock radio show in roswell new mexico uh and so at the beginning of that i put out a call like a essentially a casting call but it was a music call like hey any rock bands send me download links to your music. We're trying to build our database up. We want to play your music. And it got to a point. So basically they sent me the link and then I got a Google drive and I would just load the songs in and it would be like, okay, this is good for radio. I need a second opinion. You know, and we had like a bunch of subgenre folders of what we wanted to play, what we could play, you know, stuff like that. And then it got to a point where I had to make a folder called is this real life? And it's like the, like some dude or musician don't know, um, <laughs> sent us a song recorded. It had to be on the iPhone. Like it had to just be on their iPhone in a room somewhere because it was reverby to all hell. You <laughs> couldn't hear the vocals hardly like the guitar. So like the best we could figure was, they just had the phone sitting right here and it just kind of happened to be closer to the guitar. And so yeah. the guitar was just getting picked up and you couldn't really hear the vocals. And I'm like, 
they do realize that this was a radio call. We said to be radio ready. If this is yeah. their idea of radio ready, yeah. Wow. Like, no. So you know, yeah. and with all these different TV shows like uh The Voice and all them that I think people have really become starstruck. And yeah. of course I was starstruck as a teenager, you know, I grabbed a guitar thinking I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to have lots of money, fame, and fans. And I think it was around, and this is how long it took me. I want to say it was around my second or third album where I'm thinking, you know, the first album drops. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just waiting. You know, I mean, I'm just waiting for those big deposits to come in. The you know, the second album drops. I'm like, okay, I'm not as, as enthused, but I'm still enthused. But like, you know, those millions of dollars aren't running in. By the third album, yeah. you know, I'm just happy to get some people to listen to, you know. But I actually wrote an article about that, that everybody goes through this honeymoon phase as a musician. They they are starstruck mm-hmm. until they realize after the first month or so that they're not receiving millions of dollars and you're not getting millions of fans after your first song drop after your first album drop it's not going to happen it takes a lot of work whether you're a performing artist or a recording artist it's going to take a lot of work it's going to it's going to take years for all of this to develop and i'm still learning <laughs> yep absolutely absolutely but uh if anybody wants to check out your music or anything you got going on where's the uh, best place for them to do that they can go to my website, john3music.com, and it's the number three. Mm-hmm. So John 3, not to not to be confused with another John, but uh, john3music.com. And I've got my, disco- my discography there. So if somebody wants to uh, download any of my songs there, more than welcome to. Plus, I've got links for all of the streaming sites. So if people prefer streaming, I've got links to Pandora, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and so forth. Awesome. Awesome. And before we wrap this up, what is the most Texas restaurant one should check out in central Texas? If they want the true authentic central Texas experience. You just put me on the spot there. I would say it's dependent on what you're going for as far as barbecue, because it's, it's either going to be barbecue mm-hmm. or uh, Mexican food. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to drop a local name. So if you want some really good Mexican food, El Conquistador. In fact, uh, he, one of the guys, he's a co-owner, is a good friend of mine and a fellow musician. So yeah. I'm going to drop him. Uh, but yeah, El Conquistador, if you're looking for some really good, authentic Mexican yeah. food, even though it's kind of a chain. No, no, yeah. no. Well, yeah, let me go and drop this. Um, for barbecue, oh gosh, that's a tough one. See, I haven't been to that many barbecue places here in town just because it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like anywhere you go, like, no, that's not the place you need to go. You need to go here. You know, you could go to every barbecue restaurant in town and it's like, no, you need to go here. And it's like, <laughs> it's food guys. Like, let's you know. And there, there are some really good barbecue places around Waco. And, and what I would say like I said, I'm only going to do one name drop when it comes to Mexican food, but just because he's a personal friend of mine, yeah. El 
with El Conquistador. And it, it is some really good Mexican yeah. food. With uh, But with barbecue, there are some really good pits around Waco that uh, if you want some really good yeah. uh, barbecue. And that's kind of what Tex- or Texas, that's well, Texas, yes, but that's kind of what Waco is known for. Yeah. Uh, we are not short of Mexican food or barbecue. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of funny. The first week I was here, because I grew, or not grew up, but I lived in New Mexico for four years. So that was kind of like my introduction to Tex-Mex, kind of. Like Roswell has its own concoction of Mexican food. It's not really Tex-Mex, but it's not really Mexican food either. So it's really weird. But anyways, um, Ed, where was I? I can't think of the name of the restaurant now. it's right there by Walmart on, uh, like, if you're going down Lakeshore Drive and then you take a right to go on, I, I like, I'm so out of it right now. I don't even know where it is, but it was called, like, um, Border or something. Um, yeah. Whatever. And my, I asked one of my uh, uh, co-workers, I was like, oh, hey, how's that restaurant? He's like, that's you probably picked the worst Mexican restaurant in town. And I'm like, Oh, sorry. You know, know, and because there's so many and I just named one and yeah. like the same thing when it comes to, to barbecue, uh, Chinese food would probably be third after that, but I haven't found any good Chinese food. Where's this good Chinese food at? Like I've been to five different spots and none of it's ever been like, Oh, Hey, that's actually pretty good. You know, some people like chopsticks, obviously Panda. Of course, Panda's, you know, that's that's a big commercial. Yeah. Uh, chopsticks is at least local. Yeah. Uh, Chop- See, I had chopsticks at the beginning, and that was the one that was like, okay, this is at least okay. It's not the best Chinese food I've ever had, but it's at least doable. And they yeah. tore the one down right here by my apartment, so now I got to go all the way over by – HEB on a right. uh, yeah they tore um, that one down yeah um, at least chopsticks is local uh, if you want to go more uh, franchise you, know, you got PF Chang's that's a little bit more upscale but um, oh crud there is another one it's a little hole in the wall of course I just had to put myself on the spot there um, but there is another little hole in the wall. I'll have to send it to you. Maybe you can yeah. put this in the show notes, but, uh, but there is one, it should, it's, 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 it's actually off of Lakeshore drive. It's not that far from you. Um, but T- I'll tasty way. Oh no. Um, or happy walk. That's it. Happy that's walk. It. I've been yeah. to happy walk. Yeah. Happy walks. Another, all of the others are going to be, you know, franchise like PF yeah. chains, but gotcha. I will say though, this weekend or Friday, I got a little, uh, Everybody kept telling me to go to uh, Captain Billy Whizbangs. And I was like, okay, like I'm looking for something to eat, but I've never been there. So I'm going to go try it. And then I found out it's like not far from my apartment. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And it wasn't like terribly expensive. So I was like, okay, I think you got a new customer. Cause I drove in and like the parking lot was full and I'm like, Oh man, I got to go inside. And then I saw they had a drive through and like, I pulled in, I was like, Hey, I ordered online. Can I pick up my food here? They're like, Oh yeah. What's the name? I told them they're like, okay. They dropped my food off and I was in and out in like three minutes. It was amazing. Yeah. I loved it yeah. so much. 
if if you're a burger guy, there's another. Uh, yeah, Captain Billy's is great. Uh, you know, it's a great old-fashioned burger. There's another one that I'll recommend, uh, and that's Double R Burger. It's, huh. it's a hole-in-the-ground place, but they do old-fashioned burgers. Speaking of burgers, I actually cooked burgers tonight, so nice. I'm doing after afterward. But nice. uh, but Double R Burger. It's off of um, 18th Street, I believe. Okay. If you want old fashioned, yeah, because I don't, I don't like those fast food kind. I don't, you know. I mean, I, I go to Wendy's more than I care to admit. But basically, the only reason I would go to Wendy's is because when I, I don't go the norm. Like, there's a lot shorter way to get from Channel Twenty Five to my house. Yeah, I'd usually just jump on Lake Shore and take Lake Shore all the way, and won't a because usually when I'm leaving work, I'm hungry. Oh yeah. And going down Lake shore, you're going to see a lot more restaurants and it's like, okay, pull into Wendy's, get my food, keep it pushing. And that four for four, you can't, you can't fight that one. So, <laughs> but, true. Um, true. so yeah, no, it's all, whenever I have locals on here, I always like to get inside other perspectives on places to go to eat because I'm not, if I've not been told about a place, I'm probably not going to go check it out unless I'm absolutely craving something. And that's well, only- and here, you know, and even though, and kind of going back to, to barbecue, even though that Rudy's is kind of franchisee, yeah. they are from, I believe Fredericksburg. They, yeah. they, they are from Texas. I've, so, I've, uh, I've had Rudy's. Rudy's is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uncle Dan's is pretty good. Uh-huh. Uncle Dan's is local. Yeah, that's another good one. I, I keep meaning to go to their all-you-can-eat rib nights or whatever it is, but nobody will go with me, so it's just kind of like, eh, I'm, I'm good. Um, and then uh, what was the other one? Um, it's a newer pl- – I think it's a newer place. Uh, anyway, I've been to like three barbecue joints, and they're – like, I mean, they're all pretty much the same. They're all expensive. They're all, you know, so – yeah, exactly. The the barbecue changes a little bit, but other than that, it's pretty much the same. Exactly. So, <laughs> but I want to thank you for a making me hungry now, and like I <laughs> ate dinner before I jumped on and did the last couple podcasts, and now yeah. it's like I got to go eat again. Dang it! But, anyways, uh, I want to thank you so much for jumping on. I'm glad you were able to reschedule. Yes. Because I was thank working on a project friday and then it all fell apart yesterday and i'm like it happens yeah that's how it's gonna be that's how this week's gonna be but um i want to thank you once again thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you guys later we are good awesome thanks so much